Well, good morning. Uh, One of the ways that Paul describes the church is he calls us the body of Christ. He says that we together are the body of Christ. We meet this idea in our reading from Romans today. We also meet it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to spend just a couple moments this morning reflecting on this, uh, this identity that he gives us as the body of Christ, because I do think it's a powerful articulation of who we are as a people, and it has some pretty big implications for us as we minister to the, to the world. So let's, let's just take a moment and think about this phrase, the body of Christ, and what it might mean for us. So we'll start with that word body. What is a body? Well, we all have bodies. You have a body. I have a body. Uh, But in addition, uh, we say that we're not just bodies. We say that we're more than bodies. Uh, The scriptures, they say that in addition to a body, we have a soul. Uh, So for example, Psalm 42. It says, my soul longs for God as a deer longs for running water. My soul longs for God. The soul is the life force. The scriptures seem to say that the soul is the heart of who we are as a person. So we have a body and we have a soul. Now what's what's the difference? What's the relationship between these two things? A biblical scholar named Marcus Bart wrote this. I thought it was helpful. He says that the body is the visible form of the life that God has given us. Uh, The body is the visible manifestation, the visible expression of the life that we have received. The body makes our inner life, our soul, visible. At Christmas, we celebrate the incarnation, and we say this, and we say this because John says this in his gospel. We say, The word that was with God, the word that is God, this word became flesh and was manifested to us. This word became a body so that we could could hear it, we could touch it, we could see it. The personal body of Jesus became a manifestation of the life that is God. So that if you wanted to be near the life, if you wanted to be near God, you had to be near Jesus. In the opening verses of John's first letter, he says something very similar. He's talking about the life of God that he encountered in Jesus. He says this, he says, we want to be clear to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have looked at, what we have touched concerning the word of life. He says this life was revealed to us in Jesus. We could touch it, we could see it, we could walk alongside of it. The life of the world became flesh, became a body. That's what John says. Jesus becomes a body, the manifestation of the eternal Son of God. Now let's apply this to what Paul says about us being the body of Christ then. 
You know, as the church, we are not Christ's personal body. Instead, we are what you might call Christ's corporate body. We are not a, a second incarnation. And yet there is something revealing to us when we think about ourselves as the body of Christ. Because what it says to us as the church, it says that we are a visible manifestation of Christ to the world. We are his body, as Paul says. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, some say. Through us, Christ speaks to the world. Through us, Christ welcomes sinners. Through us, Christ ministers to the world. We are, as the church, a visible manifestation of God. That's what Paul is telling us when he says that we're the body of Christ. Uh, Peter Lightheart is a um, writer, wrote a book called The Baptized Body, but he says this. He's, he's talking about this notion of being the body of Christ. He says, throughout her history, the church continues to be the place where Christ reaches out to the world. The church is not a continuation of his incarnation, but the church, joined to the God-man, is a new humanity filled with the spirit of Christ. And wherever the church goes, there is the power and love and light and joy that was manifested in the personal body of Christ. Now I know the word awesome gets used way too much, but I think that's, a, that's an awesome uh, truth. Unbelievable that we as the church, as this community, we get to be the visible manifestation of Christ in the world. It's an, it's an awesome challenge and an incredible responsibility to be the body. And you know, I think it's, it's such an awesome challenge uh, that it's not surprising that at times the church has backed away a little bit from the challenge. Uh, one way they backed away uh, was in the early church. Uh, the church at the time looked at itself and it said, you know, we're, we're kind of a messy organization. We're really uneven. And so they started to make the distinction between the visible and the invisible church. Now, you may have heard these terms before, the visible and the invisible church. They said the visible church is everybody who shows up on Sunday, everybody who's on the rolls, everybody who comes to worship, receives communion. Uh, there's a lot of people there, and some of those people don't truly love God, don't truly believe in Christ. So we're just gonna call that the visible church. But they said over here is the invisible church. Those are the true believers. You can't, you can't pick them out because you don't know who they are. But the invisible church, that's the real church. But you know what's wrong with this distinction, even though we understand why they made this distinction? What's wrong with the distinction is that the scriptures don't teach this. They don't say that there's a visible and an invisible church. The scriptures only speak of the historic, right here and now, concrete church. The Apostle Paul, when he addresses his letters, he always addresses them to the saints in Rome or the saints in Corinth. The church is the church. 
with all its warts, with all its messiness. When we say in a little while, lift up your hearts, we are saying lift up your hearts with, with all their doubts, with all the stuff that is in your hearts, all the sin, all the darkness, lift up your hearts. And then you say we, we lift them up to the Lord. The church, the body of Christ, is a work in progress. But even though we are this work in progress and we still have a long way to go, we still have this responsibility. We still have this identity. We are to assume the responsibility of being a provisional display of the future of humanity. We are to be a people who have Christ as their head and whose life is the spirit of Christ. We are to be the body of Christ, a visible manifestation of Christ to the world. Now, there's one other idea which I want to touch on briefly because it, it is a pretty important point for application in our lives. Uh, and, and Paul talks about this in our reading today. And that is the idea and the truth that each one of us has a role to play in the body. And this is one of, great, one of Paul's great illustrations. Uh, he says, think about uh, the life of the church um, and compare it, again, to a body, a physical body. You know, a physical body, it has a nose, it has ears, it has a mouth. And he says, each one of these parts has a function, and each part is necessary for the function of the whole body. You need all these different parts. And Paul says, that's like the church, like the body of Christ. Each one of us here has a different role to play. Each one of us has a unique and specific calling. And that's because each one of us is gifted by God, by the Spirit in a specific way. I don't know if you think of yourself in that way as, as being gifted by God uh, to serve the church uh, in a unique and special way, but that's what we're told, that God whips us to play our part. You know, the way that the Spirit of Christ is manifested in me is, is different than the way that the Spirit of Christ is manifested in you. But each manifestation is crucial. That's what Paul says in our passage today. Each one is necessary. So we need to remember this as we think about the body, that it's not just some who have a role, all of us have a calling. And we need to recognize how important our calling is, whatever that calling is. There's a story, it says that God calls a few angels into his presence because God has some work for them to do. And he says to the first angel, he says, I want you to go uh, to Rome and I want you to take care of the Vatican. Second angel he turns to, he says, I want you to go to Washington, D.C., and I want you to watch over the White House. And then to the third angel, he says, I want you to go to Calcutta, and I want you to watch over those individuals who make their livelihood by picking through the garbage dumps. And all three angels, they leave with great joy and the third one doesn't say, how come Gabriel gets to go to the Vatican and I'm stuck in Calcutta? No, none of them say that. 
because the honor and the glory is that they were called by God to do the work of God. The rest was altogether secondary and of minor importance. What was important is that they were invited to serve God. That's where the glory comes, being called to serve his purposes. Paul, again, he calls us the body of Christ, and it's an amazing call, this awesome responsibility. And I think that we need to to claim this identity as best we can. It won't be perfect, our work, but God will use it. One of the early saints of the church said that, that love is never wasted. The work of the church will not be wasted. God will use it. Each one of us does this work in a specific way. We're equipped to do it so that together we can be the body, so that we can share the power and love and light and joy of Christ with the world. That's the call to us today. Amen.